Welcome to the Num One Podcast, the podcast dedicated to the timeless journey from no one to number one. I'm your host, Jake Shannon. I'm going to start recording. All right, guys, here we are, the number one podcast. So again, this is a podcast. I'm not number one, at least not yet. So I appreciate you guys uh, tuning in. This is going to be really my effort at documenting success um, from all kinds of ventures. You know, my old radio show that I had years ago. What's up, Cameron? What's up, bro? Um, my old podcast uh, or my old radio show was on AM uh, radio. It was um, on the third oldest talk radio station in the country, K Talk out of Utah. And I was on there for three years. It was amazing. Um, it's, this is obviously a little different format. I'm not used to podcasting. This is, um, going to be, um, um, live for people that are on Instagram and it'll be live for people on YouTube, Facebook, and LinkedIn. You can communicate with me through your chat. Okay. I can't take calls like I used to, which I, I, if they can figure this out with the technology, I'll do it in a second. But right now, I can only respond to you guys uh, through the chat. So um, please comment, whatever. However you're seeing this, when you comment, it's going to pop up for me. So um, let's see. I'm going to put this banner on. Boom. Ooh, yeah, there we go. Okay, whoops. Carlos was on prior. <laughs> so let's let's edit that. Boom, 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 boom. You guys are watching this live, man. So anyway, um, the, the purpose of this is really to document um, success, right? I want um, to, I'm going to be talking about success. I'm going to be talking about the failures because if you aren't willing to fail and I'm going to be pretty vulnerable, I'm going to be telling my own personal uh, uh, problems that I've had and, and, and encountered. Um, as well as trying to bring on guests. I've had some other people on. Um, you could go find those if you go to my YouTube channel. Um, I will put that in the comments after this is all done on whichever platform you're on so so you guys can find the YouTube channel. I'm thinking of putting the URL uh, number one dot ninja. So it would be N-O number one, like letter N, letter O, numeral one dot ninja. And then that will go to uh, the uh, the YouTube page. And that actually has a crap ton of my old interviews um, from Mental Self-Defense where I interviewed guys like I had the bassist from uh, Nirvana on uh, back in the day talking about voting mechanisms. It was like a cool, really cool talk. I've had um, uh, interviewed uh, Jesse Ventura. And then, of course, in wrestling, I've interviewed some people. I, inter- I was... Uh, given the honor of, uh, giving Thomas Zaz, brilliant, brilliant thinker, uh, wrote the myth of mental illness. Um, I was able to give him his last radio interview. So, um, there's a bunch of great stuff on there, a bunch of great authors. And I hope to continue that tradition here. It's going to be less political. You know, we can't avoid politics cause it's a part of life, but it's fucking lame. So, uh, I'm really, <laughs> it's a drag. That's why I quit the other radio show, man. It was like, fucking with my mental health, focusing on negative stuff. So the point of this podcast is for us to talk about amazing 
things. Now, you know, I wanted uh, to talk to you guys a little bit, and I'm gonna, I've got to bring up my notes a little bit because I am not, I don't have all this committed to memory, especially not anymore. Uh, <laughs> these days, um, my memory is not what it used to be. Um, you know, and I want to talk about that a little bit. So, huh, where do I begin? Where do I start this story? Okay, I want you to venture back. Okay, uh, my young uh, 10-year-old body had been nearly destroyed. Um, I'd had a pretty stressful childhood. My uh, parents divorced when I was five. By the way, that was the first year I stepped on the mat for wrestling, um, which is where I'm going to go with this because, you know, I want to talk about personal development and I want to talk about business development. And um, I think wrestling is a really fantastic metaphor uh, for all of this. Hey, what's up, Dominic? Good to see you, bro. Met Dominic on the airplane on the way to uh, GrowthCon. That was awesome, dude. Good to see you, bro. Um, so my young body had been nearly destroyed. I had a very stressful childhood. Uh, my parents divorced before I was five. Um, the same year that I started peewee wrestling, by the way. Um, and... Um, you know, uh, hold on a second, guys. The problem is, I don't think I started my live. Let's see how this goes. Let's see if we get some people on the other feeds. Here we go. Okay, so um, just to give everybody a recap, because we're getting more and more people in here. I appreciate everybody stopping by. What's up, Matt Mullen? Good to see you. Um, so this is a podcast about success. I had done a podcast or a, a radio show for three years on the third oldest talk radio station in the country, K Talk out of Utah. Um, and you know, it was um, uh, it was what's up, Wizard? Good to see you, bro. So um, it was a it was fun, but I'm gonna be honest, it was depressing because it was about politics, and politics is trash. Now, I'm a big believer in learning things the hard way. <laughs> It's better if you can learn them the easy way. I mean, that's really the benefit of doing coaching and whatnot is you don't have to um, touch that hot stove all the time. You let somebody else do it and then teach you and you get to collapse the time. So um, this po this podcast is going to be more about success, about personal development, uh, business development, and it's going to be through the lens of the way I see things. So there's going to be a lot of um, wrestling and grappling metaphors we will have to touch on politics. I think it's unavoidable. Um, you know, politics is fucking trash, dude. Like, let's just get real about that. I hate politics, but it's part of life. So I'm going to try to keep it to a minimum. Honestly, that's why I quit my radio show years ago. Like I was on there for three years every day. I was awesome. I got to interview all my favorite authors. Um, it was really cool, man. Um, so, but I got depressed talking about politics because it's fucking trash. It's trash, dude. And it's trashy people. So I'd rather focus on personal development, entrepreneurship, you know, things that I think are actually um, about solving the problem and getting things fixed and doing it in, a, in an awesome way. Uh, mostly what I mean is uh, voluntarily because, you know, anything you do politically involves forcing other people to do shit the way you want to do it. And I don't want that happening to me. And I don't feel right about doing that to other people. Uh, so, so anyway, I'm excited. I'm going to be here. I'm making a commitment. 
I'm going to be here every freaking day at this time. Uh, and you know, it's a podcast, so it's a little different for me. <laughs> I'm used to radio. I'm going to be real. That kept me honest. I had to show up. I had to be at the radio station. It was really the the mechanism that forced me to be committed to it. Um, and I've tried to get a podcast going multiple times, but that lack of commitment, um, you know, driving into a, 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 a studio and whatnot has made it hard. I have now, we'll see, but I've made the commitment to be here every day at this time. Um, I want to talk about this stuff. I don't, I can't do call-ins like I used to. I wish I could because that was the lifeblood of my show. I loved talking to you guys and talking to all the crazy people that would call in too. Um, any of those from that remember me from those old days, man, it was pure comedy half the time. It was awesome. Shit that you can't script. And I love that. But you guys could do the same through typing, um, through, you know, whichever platform you're on, type me a message, whatever. I am, I, I will respond to you. I will read your thing. I will try to read it faithfully. Not, uh, unless you're like being a total asshole, but I'll still even, uh, read it completely faithfully. I'm a huge advocate of free speech and whatnot. So let's go. Okay. So, um, this podcast is called the, the number one podcast or the no one podcast. Okay. And it's spelled N O one because I want to document this journey from being a no one, right? Like, so there's kind of a play on words here in the title, a no one to number one. What does that mean? What has that been for, you know, what does that uh, entail for other people? All that kind of stuff. So um, that's really going to be the theme of this. It's going to be me being very vulnerable, sharing some personal stuff. Uh, I'll try not to get too weepy and and emotional. Uh, Sometimes it gets that way. But, you know, and having great guests like I used to, I've got a wonderful Rolodex and I know a bunch of great people that have fantastic stories about what they had to overcome or, or the methods and the tricks that they used, uh, to go from no one to number one. Okay. So, uh, as ever, I'm your host. There's going to be a crap ton of wrestling metaphors and business talk. Uh, you guys know me from scientificwrestling.com. Uh, maybe you know me from macebell.com. Or maybe you know me uh, from my uh, business development efforts, uh, my involvement with the 10X community, uh, thalescoaching.com, T-H-A-L-E-S.com. I don't know how you know me. Maybe you're just my friend. So I hope you're my friend either way. Let's get started. uh, And thank you for being here. Again, we're going to be here every day. So please show up. Uh, with me because I'm going to just be talking to dead space. I'm good, man. I can bullshit for hours. So whether you show up or not, I'm going to be blabbing, but hopefully it'll be fun enough for you to, to keep coming by. Um, so I want to talk, I have a talk that I want to give and I'm going to kind of test it out on you guys a little bit. So I appreciate you sitting tight. I promise this will be worth it. You might even get to see me cry. I don't know. Last time I read through this, I started crying. Uh, <laughs> The talk is called Wrestling with Greatness, and not because I'm a wrestling great. I'm obsessed with wrestling, probably more than anybody else you know, uh, at least in the field in which I've specialized, and that most of that work can be seen at scientificwrestling.com, okay? So this talk is really about personal development and wrestling, how they intermingle, how there's great metaphors, whatnot. The name of the talk is Wrestling with Greatness, Okay. So, here it goes. 
My young body had nearly been destroyed. I'd had a stressful childhood. Uh, my parents divorced before I was five, the very same year that I started peewee wrestling, by the way. Um, hey, thanks, wizard man. We're going to, we're going <laughs> to, hopefully this will be entertaining for you guys. Anyway, I started wrestling uh, when I was five. This was the same year that my parents divorced. And again, I had had a pretty s stressful childhood. Um, my body had been destroyed in my youth um, by no fault of my own or my parents. Um, gangrene poisoning. I don't know if you know what that is, but it's pretty nasty. Um, nearly killed me after a, a doctor had botched a surgery, right? So... This is one of my causes. It's known as uh, iatrogenic death or death by doctor. Um, it's by whatever measure the American Journal or the Journal of the American Medical Association puts it as the third leading cause of death, medical error after heart disease and cancer. And if you add adverse drug reactions into that, it becomes, unfortunately, <laughs> with the title of this podcast, the number one leading cause of death, um, medical error. And who knows what, what it's good. I mean, it's definitely going to cement that after we get all these figures from these people um, that had adverse reactions to injections recently, unfortunately. Um, the, the heart attacks, the myocarditis, the things that, you know, Peter McCullough and, uh, and others, Dr. Peter McCullough and others are talking about. Anyway, um, I was the victim of, of medical error at 10. I had a botched surgery. A doctor did an appendectomy on me, which I, to this day, wonder if even the appendectomy was necessary. Cut me open for a surgery when I'm 10. Leaves a hole that big at the top of the incision and tells me to take baths. Now, I don't know if you guys have any sensibility of, of, uh, of germs, but that's a bad recipe. Take a dirty 10-year-old boy, tell him to take a bath in with this water and all the dirt and nastiness with an open wound. Needless to stay, about a month after the um, botched appendectomy, I ended up having serious gangrene poisoning, so much so that they rushed me to um, emergency surgery on the 4th of July, meaning they actually had to call doctors <laughs> away from their 4th of July um, celebrations to do an emergency surgery. I remember I was at St. Anthony's Hospital, which overlooks a lake in um, in Denver called Sloan's Lake. And I remember being wheeled out. I had the little mask on. I'm 10. And uh, and they're being, um, uh, they're wheeling me out to surgery. And I could see the window on the walkway on the way to the surgery room while the, I'm in the bed being wheeled. I could see the fireworks going off over the lake. It's like in my memory. Um, and that was when I was 10. Uh, I did fight back eventually and uh, got my strength back and 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 a lot of that was motivation provided to me through martial arts uh, movies and magazines um, for example the karate kid was huge man like 1984 that's when that movie came out I think I had surgery in 1982 um, and and that movie really uh, was powerful for me so I started here in Denver going to like one of those strip mall McDojo's when I was in, uh, I think I was 12 when I started. Uh, so that's got to be 1986 at uh, Stephen Oliver's Mile High Karate here in Denver. Um, busted my ass there and it was awesome. Um, got back my strength and my health uh, after uh, nearly dying at 10. 
And at 14, 15, I got my black belt in Taekwondo. Okay, listen, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm hip on all this shit. So don't. But for a 15, 14 year old, it's quite an accomplishment. I got my black belt at one of these uh, strip mall McDojos. And then that same year, I got diagnosed with cancer. Okay, um, I had started peewee wrestling at five. Uh, always, I never really thought of it as a martial art, uh, honestly, until um, until the UFC. Um, but anyway, so that black belt was important to me. You know, I mean, it, it was quite an accomplishment for me as a fifteen year old. I, you know, I thought I was the man. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like very limited context and whatnot. I didn't have a lot of wisdom and knowledge and experience, but it was quite an accomplishment for me. And so, uh, it was rough when I got nuked, uh, with this cancer diagnosis at 15. Uh, again, I don't know that this was really any fault of my own or my parents per se. Um, you know, I was a latchkey kid and I was pretty lonely. I wouldn't say I was neglected, but, uh, you know, my parents were just never home. They were working hustling. They were very blue collar, you know, very blue collar trying to just make ends meet. But, you know, we lived, uh, within a 10 mile radius of a place known as Rocky Flats. It's between Boulder and Denver. Now, Rocky Flats, if you Google it, is also known as the American Chernobyl. Yeah. Uh, wonderful, right? So one of the biggest, um, cover-ups in, in American history, fascinating case, massive, um, um, uh, they made Rocky flats made all the nuclear triggers for the nuclear weapons and the warheads during the cold war for the United States. Okay. That manufacturing facility was located between Denver and Boulder at this facility called Rocky flats. They had some fires and some, some, uh, some issues that caused giant plumes of plutonium to spread out. Um, and I do believe that because Metro state of Denver university here actually did some, um, interesting, um, research and found, uh, like abnormal freakish numbers of, of rare cancers within a 10 mile radius of, uh, Rocky flats. My diagnosis was in 1989, which was the same year. And the first time ever in American history, by the way. Uh, the same year that Rocky Flats got raided, it was the first time that one federal agency raided another federal agency. So, so actually the whole idea of like federalism kind of was working for once, uh, where they had checks and balances. I think it was the FBI, uh, raided the department of energy, um, because of all the cover-ups and scandal and whatnot. It's also, I think the only, uh, grand jury case that the grand jury, I think, was sealed with penalty of jail time if they ever discussed uh, what went on during the grand jury. Uh, you know, they used national security stuff. Anyway, I get cancer. Sucks. Totally brutal. Um, it, it was Hodgkin's lymphoma. Uh, when I say I got nuked, I literally got nuked because I had to get radiation treatment. That was a bitch. That was brutal. I really, if you know anybody who ever has cancer, it's got to go through it. Now, now mind you, this is 1989. I think today I was back in the fucking stone ages when that shit was like, they threw the whole fucking kitchen sink at you. You know, like it was, it was rough. Um, today I think maybe they're a little more nuanced and hopefully they've learned some stuff, but it was brutal for me. Um, radiation. I did, um, six months of chemotherapy. 
killed me, dude. I, I had, um, four surgeries. You know, I, when I got my black belt, I was six foot one and about 160 pounds. And within, uh, after being ill at 10, worked myself up, you know, from defeating gangrene poisoning, worked myself up from 10 to 15, got up to six, one, 160 pounds. And within, uh, three months I was down to 117 pounds. Okay. That's the same weight I was when I started karate, but I was six foot one. I looked straight out of Auschwitz. I mean, it was awful. It was truly awful. So, um, you know, going through, uh, chemotherapy and radiation and all the cancer treatment that I did going through that during puberty was, uh, pretty rough on my self-esteem. Uh, you know, uh, I had gone from one side of the equation socially in high school where I was one of the tougher kids and I don't think I was a bully per se, but I definitely was more of a bully than bullied for sure. And I went from that side of the equation completely to the other side, man, uh, getting bullied, abused, taunted, made fun of, humiliated, Obviously, no girls wanted anything to do with me um, at that point. Like, I mean, I was a fucking cancer fucking patient, dude. It was no fucking fun. It was brutal. So, um, on top of that, you know, like I'd said, I was a latchkey kid. So, I don't know if you guys know that term. It Maybe for older people. Younger people might not know it. But a latchkey kid meant that you had a, a key to get into your house because your parents weren't there. Um, because they were working. And so I was, and I, I was an only child essentially. Now I'd moved around and, you know, I have a large family on my mom's side. So I had a lot of cousins and I had a lot of stepbrothers, stepsisters because my parents got married and divorced a bunch of times, but I was, just, I was an only kid. And so, you know, what that ends up doing is you're really good at, um, at, uh, thanks Adam. Yeah, that is old school, right? <laughs> um, so, uh, What's a bad religion song title? Man, I don't know what is. Um, well, while well, I wait for him to... So, you know, um, latchkey kid, maybe? I don't know. But, um, you know, being an only child, being a latchkey kid, having all this fucking trauma medically, um, you know, I wasn't well socialized. I was good at getting along with adults, but people in my own age group, I had a hard time getting along with. I, I had a hard time because I didn't have brothers and sisters that were my age where I had to learn, you know the subtleties of <laughs> social interactions with people, um, like that. So, um, you know, it was, it was pretty, pretty rough. Now I had never really focused on academics or anything like that because I was very physical and very, you know, active now. Um, oh yeah. Latchkey kid. That's a, a, a bad religion song. Love bad religion, by the way, badass band. Um, but I had, um, uh, been very, very physical and active. And when all of a sudden I had all this lack of it, I mean, I couldn't, I dude, I went from, I couldn't try out for the wrestling team for sure. Um, I, so I, in my opinion, this is not a knock. Okay. But in my opinion, I downgraded and tried to go out for uh track it just run. And I couldn't even run. And it, because of the effects of the radiation and the, and the chemotherapy and the surgeries, it just was too much, man. It was brutal. So, um, you know, it was, it was hard, but I ended up, um, 
what, what do you call that? Like channeling, you know what I mean? I was able to refocus my energies and I put it into academics and drawing and art and, and developing social skills. I went out for theater and, and started doing like a choir, like jazz choir and shit. And I actually did pretty good. I, um, <laughs> as weird as it sounds, I don't do anything with that at all. It was just during this short window when I was ill, but, um, I, uh, I was on a jazz choir and I sang a solo and we won the state competition and shit, which was cool. I, I was a lead. I was like the only sophomore to get a lead in the high school play, uh, Taming the Shrew by Shakespeare. So I, you know, I had success in that and, and I leaned into it and it was cool. And because of my focus on academics, I got a leadership scholarship, right? So I was the first person to go to, to college in my family. Like everybody was super blue collar. So in a way, I probably wouldn't even gone to college had I not gotten ill. So there are, you know, there's trade-offs, right? But uh, long story short, I go to college and, um, you know, my, my self-esteem was fucking hosed, dude. I, I, you know, was decimated physically. Spiritually, I was just beaten down, you know, like I lost religion because I'm still not really religious. I'm pretty spiritual. But, you know, I was like, man... I was 10. Why would God do this to me? And I'm 15. Why would God give me cancer? I mean, I ain't done shit yet. I'm like an innocent kid, you know? And, uh, so I was hammered. I was uh, on every level. So, um, I, I I mean, just going to be real. I just started, uh, I was one of those, like, don't do drugs kids all the way until I had cancer, dude. I was like, I was the guy like, don't do drugs. And, (laughs) You know, the Nancy Reagan bullshit, uh, just say no until I got cancer. And then I was like, fuck it, dude, fuck it. (laughs) And I started drinking, uh, you know, when I was 16 and, uh, uh, started smoking weed and then went to university of Colorado, which I don't, at Boulder, which I don't know if you guys know is one hell of a, uh, a party kind of place. And I started dropping a hell of a lot of acid. Now, what's really interesting to me in hindsight, this was not any foresight on my part. This is just luck, honestly, I think. Um, what I find now interesting is the groups on these guys like um, like um, uh, MAPS, the multidisciplinary, I, I don't know, it's the psychedelic group that is, you know, they're scientists trying to, to get psychedelics accepted for uh, clinical reasons, you know, what I find, I dude, I was dropping so much acid and, um, I think it actually helped me. There was a combination of dropping a fuck ton of acid. Hey, what's up, Stu? Dude, we got international audience. we got Spain in the house. What's up, bro? Hope your wrestling's going good, my friend. Um, uh, so, so, uh, you know, I, um, uh, I start dropping all this fucking acid and, um, you know, I had great experiences until I stopped having great experience. And then I stopped doing it. Cause that shit, if you have a bad trip, whew, it's like, it's very easy to quit after you have a bad trip. But I, I mean, I did a lot and I did a lot my freshman and, and sophomore year. And I think it contributed to my healing that combination. Plus I had honestly, some of the greatest roommates, uh, that were positive influences on me in, um, in, in college, you know, but I mean, I was shot, dude. I was drinking, smoking weed, 
doing all this. I had gotten to college on a scholarship and I was fucking blowing it. I was blowing it. I was a film major uh, because I was on drugs. You know who's in my film class two years prior to me? Trey Parker and Matt Stone, the guys who created South Park. And I had an opportunity to um, intern on their uh, musical. They have a musical called Alfred Packer, who's a cannibal out of Colorado. <laughs> Alfred Packer, the musical. It's super funny. It's available. I'm, I'm not sure where you can find it uh, by those guys. I had an opportunity to work with them. And I totally pissed it away because I was too busy smoking weed and, 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 and doing drugs. Do huge regret. Dumb, right? But I mean, you know, you're young. You don't have a mentor. You don't have anybody to help you. You got to learn shit the hard way, unfortunately. And, and, and I did. But beyond that, I was getting fucking disgusted with myself. I was disgusted. I remember having one of these man in the mirror moments and I just looked at myself and I had not, you know, I, you know, I had gotten a black belt and all this stuff and I had been very physical, but I had just gotten so hammered by that second serious childhood illness and then went the wrong way with drugs and, and drinking. And I just did not put my health or anything. in. I, I'd become kind of nihilistic and, and depressed. And uh, I got really bad out of shape. So bad. I mean, I remember spring break. Remember, again, I have shit self-esteem. I have no good friends. Um, just drinking and doing a lot of drugs and having, you know, casual sex. And, and it's just trying to find something. You know what I mean? Like, and looking in all the wrong places. Anyway, I have one of those man in the mirror moments. I'm looking in the mirror. I'm just disgusted. I'm like, dude, what the fuck is going on? And literally, I just dropped down and started doing push-ups. I don't even know what, what the fuck that was about. But I I dropped down and started doing push-ups. And to me, I think that was maybe like a litmus test or something. Like, how bad am I? And I couldn't even do fucking 10 push-ups. I was like 19 years old. I couldn't do 10 push-ups. I mean, at that moment, it was like a rock bottom moment. I quit everything. And, and again, like I said, I had kind of a nice confluence of events happen where um, I had these great roommates. Um, and, and at that same time, there was um, another wave of like martial arts stuff coming. And, and I happened to be poised for it. Now, it started... Uh, it started with my, my roommate, his name's Mike. And, uh, you know, Mike, he, he was an interesting dude, totally unassuming, you know, like not the tallest guy, not the best looking guy, normal guy, right? Funnier than hell, super funny. Um, and he was absolutely fucking obsessed, obsessed with skateboarding and Thrasher magazine. Okay right? Y'all know Thrasher? If you don't know Thrasher, man, I, I don't know. You're not American or you, you just haven't even been to a fucking newsstand. He was absolutely obsessed with it. Now, I wasn't really a skater. It was cool, whatever, but it wasn't my jam. I was still liked martial arts and, and fighting and, and, and grappling and stuff. And so, um, you know, I, I was like, whatever, but his obsession was so, um, infectious. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. And I learned something, you know what I mean? So I didn't like skateboarding much at the time. And because of that, I don't think he liked me much either because he was obsessed with skateboarding, but didn't have to do with skateboarding. He wasn't interested. Right. But you know, because we were roommates, we had proximity 
and I couldn't get away and he couldn't get away and we were around each other all the time, right? And he was a good person, you know? He was, and huge in my life because his obsession helped me find mine. By the way, he now runs Thrasher Magazine. He's the editor-in-chief, okay? So uh, he's had massive success due to his obsession, right? So I could not get into skating. It just wasn't in my, in my blood. But I modeled the obsession. I said, you know, I see what's happening here. He's obsessed and, 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 you know, this is the ironic thing. His obsession made him into an exceptional leader. Here I was at the University of Colorado on a prestigious leadership scholarship. And I was a loser. <laughs> I, hadn't, I wasn't leading nothing. Okay. And here's this guy, unassuming, funny, nice guy, obsessed. And his obsession, man, he got all the friends in, in the neighborhood to, uh, yeah, be obsessed or be average, right? Yeah, that's it, Dominic. He got all the kids in the neighborhood to build a half pipe in our backyard. Total leadership. He then spearheaded the very first skate park in Boulder. And then, like I said, went on to do incredible things with Thrasher, now runs the entire magazine, uh, produces uh, reality shows like King of the Road and all that. Massive influence for me. Massive inspiration. Okay. Um, so when I had to whittle it down, I still didn't know what was going, what I was going to do. Right. I just knew something had to change and I was really open to it cause I had hit rock bottom. So I was like, well, I can't get as obsessed. I tried, but I can't get as obsessed with skateboarding. I learned to skate. I learned to snowboard, all that kind of stuff. And it's great. I loved it. I did a lot of it, uh, later in my life in San, when I moved to San Francisco, loved skating the Hills in San Francisco. I was never much of a half pipe guy. I was more of a transporter, uh, getting around town kind of guy, but uh, you know, I ended up growing to love it, but I wasn't really obsessed. I, I couldn't find it. So I whittled it down to a short list of things like, what could I be obsessed with? And it ended up being martial arts. Now at that same time, okay. This is probably May of 1993. And the, between May of 1993 and May of 1994, my life completely changed. And it changed, this is maybe the first lesson that I'm trying to get across here, was because I found an obsession. Okay, I found an obsession. That obsession was martial arts. And it coincided with um, a movie that came out and, you know, I was getting, cause he was into Thrasher. Then I was like, okay, I need to start looking at all the martial arts magazines. I'm going to be honest. They were pretty lame. It was like black belt and all that. If you're into black belt, that's cool, but it's just the content, the writing Thrasher and these other magazines were way cooler. You know what I mean? They had cooler, edgier content, fun. Um, but I did it anyway. So I got into it and everything was Bruce Lee, uh, because this is pre UFC. You have to remember how much UFC changed the world, right? people looked to fucking Kung Fu movies for like what was actually good in fighting. It's just how it was, man. And, and, um, Bruce Lee was the pinnacle, right? Now he's important because he inspired mixed martial arts and whatnot. So that biopic with Jason Scott Lee came out, Dragon, right at that time. I think it was released in May of 1993. 
I saw it, became totally fucking obsessed. I was like, oh my God. And what I loved was Bruce Lee was like a conditioning freak. So man, I just started building my body back up and I got into really, really good shape. And I started doing the Bruce Lee thing. Cause I'm like, I'm, I'm all in on this shit. Cause you know, if you ever know somebody who gets into drugs, man, a lot of times it's, they're obsessive, right? And they need a channel for that obsession and drugs or sex or gambling are bad channels for obsession. But if you find a good channel for obsession, it could be insane. So when I did this inventory and found martial arts, I got, I went in deep. And so I still hadn't really considered my, my time as a kid wrestling as a martial art. I never considered it still. I was still thinking punching, kicking Bruce Lee, you know, I had my black belt in Taekwondo. So I'm very biased in my thinking UFC hasn't come out. I start doing these challenge matches, <laughs> you know, I'm like 20 years old and I'm doing these crazy challenge matches. And one of my roommates takes me up. Now, now this is how cool my other roommate was, the one that ran Thrasher. He knew I was obsessed with this stuff, right? He knew it. And so for my birthday party, uh, one year he was, he threw me a birthday party and we had boxing matches, right? And this was a pivotal moment for me because I kicked everybody's ass because I knew what I was doing and the other guys didn't, right? I mean, if they had training and whatnot, they would have been fine. Anyway, um, I mean, I smoked everybody. I got a lot of respect that I hadn't gotten before that moment. You know, everybody's like, holy fuck, dude, don't fuck with Jake, man. He'll fuck your shit up. Well, one of my roommates didn't like the rule set. So later on, and he's a green belt in judo, and this is a massive, another massive lesson for me, is, you know, I was feeling myself and I was all cocky and all this shit. And uh, he probably got sick of it. And he's like, hey, man, let's go out in the backyard. Uh, I got you. I got judo. Let's do like some like more no rules stuff, more Bruce Lee. And totally, totally got me. So I was like, all right, fuck yeah, I'm going to kill you. So we go out in the backyard and man, and he was a green belt in judo. And every second he put his fucking hands on me, I was gone. I could, I mean, maybe I'd hit him once or twice. You know, bouncing around, doing my shit. And dude, every time he'd fucking get his hands on me, I'd hit the ground and hard. It was it was a real brutal day for me. And um, real humbling. And a day that, you know, again, touching that hot stove, I was like, shit, okay. So that day, I went down to the Boulder YMCA and signed up uh, for judo. Under uh, He was a senior national champ uh, named Burned Bush. I mean, he's not a biblical guy. He's a German. Uh, it's like B U S C H. Um, uh, great guy. Great guy. So I started just hardcore going judo. Now, again, I keep talking about obsession and a confluence of events and it's kind of magical, man. Like I, it, it, they just, it, once you find the obsession, shit starts being easier because you're weeding out all the other distractions, right? That year, UFC 2 is in Denver. UFC 1 and 2 were in Denver. I didn't see UFC 1, but I see the advertising for UFC 2, and man, it is just right on everything that I'm about, okay? I'm like, oh my God, no rules fighting. This is crazy. They have all these styles. It's like fucking blood sport for real. I'm like, I'm there, dude. Let's go. So I actually take the roommate that had a green belt. His name's Dan. Go with him, and we see this. It's so cool. I'm actually sitting right behind the Gracie's. Um, I, I used to know the guy who owned, uh, Mammoth Gardens, which is where it was, where it was held. I went to high school with his son, uh, and his son, I think was, had some developmental issues and I h helped him with bullies and I was his friend. And so anyway, we got these great tickets down to Mammoth, go down there and boom, changes my life. In fact, my now friend, 
And I'm a fan still. I try I try not to fanboy, but he's like a good friend now. Uh what was uh was the opening uh fight there. So um uh just a mind-blowing thing. Changed my my life 100%, okay? Uh, uh Sean Doherty was was the fighter, by the way. So, uh thanks for asking. Um yeah, so changes my life. I'm like, this is what I need to do. So I go back, do way more challenge matches. Uh, I actually start getting a rep at the University of Colorado. We don't have a wrestling team there. I didn't go there for wrestling because I didn't have a chance. There's no way in high school, you know, and, and I, I had a, the only place I had a scholarship to was Boulder. So I couldn't go to like Nebraska and redshirt or anything like that. So I was like, all right. I started like a grappling club at the University of Colorado Boulder and uh, would just challenge people. We would fly people. Like we, um, I was also working out of a place. I don't even know if it's around anymore. Boulder Karate. And the first guy I ever grappled was Pedro Sauer. Um, totally like another eye-opening, humbling event, man. Like that guy. Uh, Caseca Munez, Ricardo Miguel. These were all like guys that, um, that really um, were the beginning that we would fly in for training camps. In fact, that's kind of why I do what I do now with Catch. Because Catch is now... Scientific wrestling is now where Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu was in the early 90s. There's just not enough qualified people to teach it. So we have to travel around and do training camps instead of having like strip malls. Like it was Taekwondo when I was a kid. Now Jiu-Jitsu is in every freaking strip mall. And it's great. Everybody's got this opportunity, but it was not there when I was coming up. So anyway, number one lesson is about getting that obsession, right? Like you have to figure out what that obsession is for you. For me, it was martial arts for me. And, 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 and as I got more and more obsessed, it drilled down, it drilled way down to where now I am like a foremost fucking expert in this style of brutal grappling known as catches, catch can wrestling or scientific wrestling. And so you know, that obsession and the willingness to take risks because now I had a mission. I knew like grappling was like for me. I, I, after I graduated college, um, you know, I went out to San Francisco, most expensive city, had no connections, no money. I just was like, fuck it. I'm going. (laughs) And I went there because Carly Gracie, from my research at that time was the best in the United States to learn from. And, uh, and so I went out there and trained with him. It was incredibly tough because, um, I'm making a minimum wage in San Francisco, most expensive in the city. I think maybe New York was a little more, but dude, San Francisco, it's notorious for being pricey and I'm working retail minimum wage jobs, four of them just like barely surviving, dude. Um, just straight up eating eggs and ramen only back then it was $200 a month for one class a week. I mean, it was crazy, right? It's, it's always been expensive, but it, you know, even though the, the supply has grown to meet the demand, the prices are still what $120 a month to train. I could have afforded that, but this is in 1995 dollars too, before inflation and shit, dude, it was expensive and I was making the sacrifices, busting my ass, but it still didn't sit right. I didn't like the jiu-jitsu, I didn't, you know, there, I didn't like the gi as much. 
Um, I did not like working off my back. I did not like the lack of takedowns. Um, I love the submissions though. I thought that was really, really neat. Right. So anyway, the obsession just went freaking exponential for me to where I was willing to take risks, willing to do whatever it takes. I think that is crucial for, for people to do stuff. You know, I think that is what stops a lot of people is, is, is the fear, but the fear goes away when you become like crazy. I don't know how else to say that. Like when you get so fucking obsessed that you don't give a fuck. And I, I mean, I'm, uh, I will give you some warnings like hot stove. Yeah. I had this fucked up childhood with these like cancer and gangrene poisoning and all the fucking fallout from no pun intended, all the fallout from, from radiation treatment and, um, and chemotherapy and all that. And then I went crazy into grappling, dude. I, I mean, you know, I am so fucking jacked. I broke my neck. I have a collapsed carotid artery. I have one carotid artery from getting choked too many times. Um, because it was the wild west back then, you know, they didn't know how to train. You know, a lot of the guy, early MMA guys had the same problem. I didn't go into it. Thank goodness. But a lot of them have concussion problems because they were full on hitting each other full bore in the early days before all the CTE stuff came up and people were aware of it. Right. And so, um, you know, I think that's, for me, I'm pretty sure this whole carotid dissection thing that I went through and stroke, I, you know, I had many strokes and I mean, it was serious, but that's the level of obsession sometimes, you know, here I'm, I'm fine, dude. Everything works. I can't grapple anymore, but I coach, uh, and which is another important thing is you got to figure out how to adapt and improvise to stay with your obsession, man. Cause it's, you know, for me, it's my life's purpose as weird as it fucking, I mean, it even sounds weird to me to this day, but my life's purpose is to make sure that every man, woman, and child on planet Earth are involved with scientific wrestling in some manner as either a fan, an athlete, a coach, or a promoter and business person. That's my mission, right? So I've created scientific wrestling. I've created the affiliate program, created the coaching program, put out so much material. There's nobody who can match the amount of work that I've done single-handedly in that field. There's just none. That's why I'm in that position. And I'm in that position because I'm fucking obsessed. I am more obsessed than anybody else. So I do more. Is that fair? Do you guys understand? Now, along the way that I picked up other obsessions, right? Like my family, I love, dude, I'm a, I'm a family man. And I come from a totally broken home, total, like no knowledge, no, what nobody to model for a good marriage and all that shit. But my obsession you know, and maybe it's my hangups of not having that as a kid. I want to have that. And I want my kids to have that, right? Like that's kind of a cliche, but I think it's true. Um, same with business, both of my parents and almost everybody in my family, nobody were entrepreneurs. So I didn't understand the importance of being able to sell, right? So what, what's interesting though, is again, the confluence of events. So I find this obsession, Right. And I found the obsession because I had started modeling, not copying. Copying would have been, okay, I'm a mini clone and my friend Mike and I'm into skateboarding. Blah, 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 blah. No, I modeled the obsession. I took what I saw was really killing it for him. And to make it authentic to me, I took it and put it into grappling and martial arts, right? I had learned this concept <laughs> because I, I remember this is when I was totally fucking depressed, having that man in the mirror moment when I was disgusted with myself. And, uh, I was up late at night 
it, I was in college. It was late, like two o'clock. I should have been asleep, but I just couldn't sleep because I had too much anxiety because I was, I was a loser and I was worried. I was like, dude, I don't know, I don't know how to make money. I don't know how to do anything. You know, I went <clears throat> to all this fucking high school, <clears throat> excuse me, all this fucking college. And I still don't know any way how to fucking make money. Like, right. Like the tragedy of, 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 uh, modern education. It's just the opposite. It's like everything's upside down. Like health, like medicine destroys health. Law destroys justice. Law and politics destroys justice and peace and fucking, uh, education makes you stupid. Um, it's just the fucking weirdest thing, but that's because you're trusting other people. And, and I think you have to trust other people, but I think you have to have it in yourself first. I don't think you could truly trust other people until you know what it's like to trust yourself. And you can only trust yourself by putting yourself out there and fucking up and failing and learning from your mistakes, right? So, so I had modeled my friend's obsession, okay? But I learned this idea of modeling because I was so fucking distraught one night. I couldn't sleep. I'm laying on the couch. I think I was eating fucking ice cream. One of my jobs was Haagen-Dazs. So I'm fucking eating ice cream. And, uh, and, and, and on that fucking TV at like two o'clock comes an infomercial. And it was fucking Tony Robbins and Fran Tarkington sitting by some fucking pool in like Florida or California. And, uh, they were hawking the unlimited power cassette tapes. Okay. <laughs> Cassettes, man, this is like pre CD. Okay. <laughs> so, um, I remember it was a big risk for me cause I was making no money, dude, no money at all. Nobody had ever shown me that you could learn from these, you know, do personal development kind of stuff. So anyway, um, I bought this thing and it was like a hundred or 150 bucks it was, or $129 or some shit like that, which back in 92 or 93 or whenever I saw that was a lot of money for me. I was not making any money, but anyway, I get the tapes. I start listening to it and I learn about modeling and I start applying it right now. I think, you know, the lessons to be learned here, there are a few, one, you got to have your rock bottom. You got to have your like man in the mirror moment, like where you're just fucking real, dude. Like no more bullshit, no more rah-rah, puffing yourself up, fake it till you make it. Like you got to have a real assessment of the reality of the situation, right? I did my push-ups and I was like, I couldn't even fucking do 10. It was bad, right? <laughs> so that was, you know, and I was just like, man, this is not good. So I think that's number one. Number two is you got to get obsessed, right? You have to find that thing that makes you fucking crazy, now, it has to be healthy. You do that over a, a fucking guy or a girl, you're going to end up in jail for stalking or being a fucking creep. You can't do that. You do that with drugs, man, you're going to end up fucking like a morality tale, like fucking Breaking Bad or in a gutter somewhere, okay? You do that with gambling, no good. Like, you do it, right? So, you've got to find a healthy obsession. But it obsessions can be healthy. That's the thing I think you have to remember. Um, the third thing is, is you, you've got to take risk. You've got to be willing to fucking fail and fuck up and go through hard shit and sacrifice. Dude, this is just like the, my origin story on some of this stuff, how I came up in my twenties, right? Dude, I will tell you a story how I got sick of being poor. 
So, you know, I, 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 my first obsession was, was martial arts and grappling and wrestling. And I bootstrapped, pulled myself up by my fucking boot, bootstraps with that shit, but I was still poor. Um, like I said, I was working fucking retail job. I had a college degree, dude, and working four minimum fucking wage jobs. I, and now I would work where I thought I could get shit for free, right? Like cool stuff. Like I worked in uh, bookstores, video stores. Uh, I worked in movie theaters and then I, I started working as a teller in a bank. Cause I was like, I need to figure out money. And I started working. I had four fucking jobs in San Francisco. It was brutal, dude. And I'm taking the bus everywhere. You can't have a car. Uh, one of the big things I did, my mom gave me her used Toyota MR2, this cute little red sporty two seater. Right. Um, and I took it to San Francisco and I got so many fucking parking tickets and this was 94, 95. And dude, I took another risk. I sold the fucking car and that's how I bought my first fucking computer, man. Changed my life again. I took a huge risk. That computer was the same price as a car. It didn't even have a gigabyte of RAM. It couldn't do shit. It had the fucking plug-in modem with the... You know that sound when you try to hook to the internet? Took you an hour to download one porno picture. It was like the worst, dude. But I spent that money and it was some of the best money I ever spent. Now, um, you know, like the first thing is, is you've, you've got to get real with yourself. You got to have that man in the mirror moment. The second thing is you got to find that obsession. You got to figure it out. You got to model, like, like figure out what are you willing to get crazy about in a healthy way? Take risks. Okay. That's the third thing. And then you have to fucking work your ass off. Work your ass off. I mean, when I started scientific wrestling, I had already been grappling and doing martial arts. I'd started peewee wrestling in 1978. Okay. I got my black belt in 1988 or 89. Okay. Um, I started jujitsu and grappling in 1994. Um, and I didn't start scientific wrestling till 2003. Okay. So I had been building up this just body of information and knowledge and obsession and chasing it and trying to learn as much as I possibly could. And then I realized, and, and this is a, a different story. I could talk about how I got into entrepreneurship and figuring that out. Um, but it's very similar in terms of these principles, right? And I put out my first book, The Authoritative Encyclopedia of Scientific Wrestling. I put that out in 2003. Uh, and... Dude, it was a lot of work, man. I literally took like five or six out of print books that were very expensive and I knew other people had a hard time finding. And I sat down with a, in 2003, okay, this isn't with some fucking great technology, 2003 with a scanner and literally went, okay, page one, button, scan, lift, page two, lid, button, scan, lift, page three, boom. I mean, dude, I have it memorized, man. I did that shit like so fucking much. And now it's known as, uh, the fighting library. You can go to fightinglibrary.com. 10,000 pages of material that I've, uh, archived and, and curated and put into a format so you guys could check it out. So anyway, um, I just wanted to let you guys know that these are absolutely crucial, crucial, um, for your success. All right. So, um, it just takes massive action, massive amounts of work. It takes, 
being real with yourself, getting obsessed, taking risk, and massive amounts of action. That's that's the recipe. This is why I'm so into this 10x shit. I, I had not found, like I liked Tony Robbins and there's been all these other guys in, in personal development and mindset and stuff. But, but Grant to me at this point in my life really nails like a lot of that material. Um, and frankly, you know, he's, he's like me, like what I've done in, uh, for scientific wrestling in terms of content, uh, trainings, events, all that. He's done that in business development. And so, you know, I'm not going to reproduce the wheel. I'm just, and, and he's, his name is huge. He spends shit, probably 10 or $50,000 a day on advertising. I'm like, I'm just going to draft behind that. So that's his story for another day. Um, I want to, uh, I really appreciate you guys coming in. Like I said, I'm going to be doing this every day, um, at this time. So if this was cool for you, you know, where I'll be, hopefully, uh, you know, you guys, please start banging on those keyboards. Cause I can't take calls like I used to on my radio show, but, um, I can interact with you. Uh, Adam, what a pleasure listening to you, coach. My son and I are really excited to meet you. Adam, likewise, dude, excited to see you out in, uh, I think you're doing pinion Hills. So excited guys. If you want to get involved with my wrestling stuff, scientificwrestling.com has all the shit you can learn online, you know, uh, instructionals, uh, videos, courses, books, if you actually want to come to an event, coachingcatch.com. We do these uh, incredible training camps. My, my The guys, uh, my assistant coaches are like the best in the world and full coaches now. we I mean, we've been doing this for a minute. Um, you know, anyway, coachingcatch.com, scientific wrestling. If you want to be a part of scientific wrestling, actually make some money doing what you love, check out our affiliate program, scientific wrestler, scientificwrestler.com. And then it, on any of the business stuff, Check me out, Thales, T-H-A-L-E-S, after the famous Greek philosopher, and we'll talk about him someday too, I'm sure. Thales, T-H-A-L-E-S, coaching.com. Check that out. We're doing the, uh, we're actually doing a 10X Business Bootcamp, our second one, um, here in Denver on June 24th and through the 26th, dude. Check it out, 10xdenver.co, like Denver, Colorado, 10xdenver.co. Show up, man. It's going to be amazing. You go to that website, you can see all the testimonials from the last event um, and the content, what you get out of it. It's literally like an MBA in a weekend. You don't want to miss it. Uh, come on out. Come hang out with me out in Denver. Um, yeah. Anyway, man, I appreciate you guys and we will see you tomorrow. Uh, you can hit me up on any of the socials. DM if you have any questions, uh, comment, share this. Please let people know. I do want to make this a real thing. And, and my number one purpose with this is to help people. That is what I'm here to do is to help people. Okay. So please, 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 if you don't mind, I know it's a big ask and I'm asking your permission, please share, let people know. I want to build this up. My whole purpose here is to help people. So I appreciate you guys. Uh, thanks for listening to me, uh, ramble on about, <laughs> about it. Lessons to be learned again. Get real with yourself, find an obsession, take risks, and then take massive action. I appreciate you guys. We'll talk to you soon. Next time. See you tomorrow.